Amen. It's so good to be with you guys. It's been a while, definitely. I've been able to uh, participate in some of the services, but I have been traveling quite a bit. But I'm so grateful to be here uh, with you. I would like to say before I get started, just uh, how thankful I am for Pastor Clay and Andrea and the leadership team that's here. Uh, we are very fortunate to have the uh, quality of ministry that is happening here, not just preaching, but in, in worship and children's ministry. There's a lot of people that are working very hard to make this church the absolute best that it can be. And I want to encourage you, you're, you're operating in, in some of the most challenging times that uh, has ever been uh, at least in America, in terms of having to deal with the pandemic and all the stuff that's going on. But this church is operating at a high level. Uh, the worship is happening at a high level. And I can say this, in the past eight to ten months, I've been to a lot of churches. But I can also say that this church is the only church I've been to that is actually growing numerically during the pandemic. So... Uh, I do believe that that is a direct result of uh, the, the leadership that is here in this church and uh, also the, the commitment that the, the body itself is uh, making to follow the leadership in this church. And I can't tell you just how grateful and, and proud I am of, of Clay and Andre. It's just wonderful, wonderful to see. Uh, a little bit jealous, but... No, but it, it, it's wonderful. I mean, it, it blesses my heart. Listen, you know, it ministers to me to, to, to see you guys and your passion for God. And I know that it's real, that it's not about entertainment or any of the things that, that in American Christianity has to offer. God is really working and doing something incredible uh, in this church. And so I, I rejoice with you. I also want to say how much I appreciate the the partnership of this church and the financial uh, support that you uh, offer me personally and our ministry that we're uh, just now uh, stepping into, even though it's been a few months. Uh, it's a very difficult time to be a leader in the body of Christ, and you can make all the plans that you want. You can schedule all the things that you want, but, you know, life's kind of daily. you got to learn how to live it one day at a time, and, and so I appreciate the, the faith and the confidence that, uh, that you have in me. Uh, there's been a lot that's been going on. I want to give you just a quick update, and I'll share with you uh, what the Lord's laid on my heart, but uh, again, been traveling quite a bit back in November. I was in uh, Mexico and had to leave early because my wife and children, or four out of my five children, had coronavirus. I know some of you have had it, and you know, for the vast majority of people, it's, it's not necessarily a, a huge thing to have to deal with, but for about 1% of the people, it becomes a life and death situation. That's what happened to uh, uh, Rachel, but uh, I also want to say as well, I've just got so much that's in my heart to share, but uh, how grateful I am for the kindness and the generosity that uh, you guys showed our family during that time. I, I, I cried, I mean, and I'm not a big crier, but, but I was so moved. We were so moved and, and, and so touched by uh, the church's willingness to uh, provide food and call and prayer and, and text. It, just, it definitely means a whole lot more than, than what you realize, and so I'm so thankful for that. Um, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we were back in Madisonville, and uh, we were working with the church that lost their pastor back in September to COVID, and they didn't have a succession plan uh, during this time, and so this congregation had lost their, their pastor, and you know they were struggling to you know, find a way forward, so uh, those are challenging things, and for those of you that know me know that you know Rick Clendenin was a spiritual father to me, and uh, I've never been in this place before, and I've never been in this place before or a place like it without him. And so I'm traveling back and forth all the time, and I would have normally called him on what he would think and try to get his input and advice and, you know, what do you think we should do during this particular time, but, but he's obviously not here and he's with the Lord and we rejoice in that, but we sure miss him a lot. And so... Uh, uh, those things are happening. Next week, I'll be in Princeton, Kentucky. Uh, then I'll be back in Madisonville. Then I'll be in Indiana. So just lots of really good things that are going on. Uh, still don't have a clue what I'm doing. 
uh, hoping to try to provide good leadership, but we've got good people like Alan Bray. He's part of the Apostolic Council of CTMF. I won't go into a lot of that because it's just too much to explain. But anyways, it's good to be here with you. Thank you so much for your prayers and support. I rejoice at what God's doing. It's a good day to be serving Jesus. Amen? If you got your Bible with you, I want you to turn to the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter number 13. I'm going to preach one of the most... I don't know how to put it into words. The most exciting messages you've probably ever heard on the topic of patience. Right. But understand today is Valentine's Day and love is in the air. You know, and uh, our minds and thoughts are, are, are with husbands and wives. And some people are thinking, Lord, Jesus is going to come back before I get married. <laughs> Jesus is going to come back. I was one of them people. Listen, I thought Jesus was going to come back before I got married. Then I thought Jesus was going to come back before I had children. Then we had five children. Now I'm thinking, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. And, and so it shows you about how much I know when Jesus is returning anyway. So, but, but anyways, I want to talk about the power of patience. Now, again, uh, this is not something that uh, most people have a, a, a real passion to learn or to know, but it is a vital part of having great relationships. See, God is a relationship expert. And he's been dealing with people for thousands of years. And so when it comes to uh, the topic or the subject of love, he understood that most people don't have a clue what they're talking about. It's always hilarious to do marriage counseling with people or premarital counseling because they actually, bless their hearts, think they know what they're getting into. They, they do. They do. You know, and I always ask the question, you know, I say, you know, wh why do you want to get married? And they're going... They're thinking that I'm asking a trick question. I'm not. I said, I mean, just, well, this is already going bad now. They're sitting there in silence. Then they go, because I love them? I said, that's a good answer, but I'm not too confident that that is your motivation for getting married. I think there might be something else. But then I ask them the next question, and rarely do they respond or give the correct answer. And that is, well, well why do you want to marry somebody? They're like, uh, because I Love them? Now that sounds like a good answer, right? That sounds like the correct answer. So when they say, I love them, then I ask them this question, and then it's just like a deer in headlights. Well, what's love? Hmm. I said, so number one, you really don't know why you're wanting to get married. Number two, now you finally say that you want to marry them because you love them. And then number three, you don't really know what love is. I, I don't know if we should proceed next. But most people think that love is just one thing, and that's feelings. So we love God, and uh, we love the church. We love uh, ministry. We love pizza. We love puppies. We, we, we love a lot of things. And so we put love on the same category as everything else. And we start, and we say, you know what? We, we love, and, and we think love is typically a feeling. Love involves feelings, but foundationally, that's not what love is at all. So let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We're going to start reading at verse number 4. This is out of the NIV. And if you're there, say amen. Again, God's a relationship expert. He's been dealing with people for a long time. He's actually been dealing with you, and you can see how merciful he has been up to this point. And, uh, and so he knew that we would struggle trying to understand what love is. And he knew that we would struggle just simply trying to define what love is. So he wrote an entire chapter in the Bible to help us understand what love is. And it's amazing when you think about it, out of all of the words that God could have used to begin to define what love is, the first word that God mentions that is directly connected to love is what? In other words, God says, if you're going to love well, if you're going to love my way, if you're going to love the right way, the first foundational 
principle or rule that I have implemented in having great relationships is you're going to have to be patient. So we're going to talk about what the foundational principle or rule is in having great relationships. Now this is not just for married couples or dating couples. It's for singles. It's for divorcees. It's for widows. It's for the church congregation. I want you to be able to take from this message this morning and apply what you hear into your life because this is what I know. If I can help change the relationships in your life, I can change the quality of your life. Life is about relationships. The Bible is a book of relationships. Jesus died on the cross to make a relationship with God possible. If you take relationships out of the Bible, you don't really have much but a bunch of rules and regulations. And that's not what Christianity is about. Christianity is about a relationship with the person of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus shows us the right way to love because God is love. And then he also says these are the foundational building blocks for having great relationships. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse number 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy it does not boast. It's not proud. It does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Would you put your hand on those verses and pray with me? Father, today we, we thank you for the love that was demonstrated on the cross when Jesus died on our behalf for our sins. And greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Lord, your word said this is how the whole world will know that we're your disciples, that we love one another. And so, Lord, we need your love poured into us, supernaturally charged in our heart. You said the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And, Lord, we wouldn't even love you if you didn't first love us. But, Lord, your love for us and our ability to receive that love helps us to reciprocate that love back to you. We need you to love you, and we need you to love others well. You said that we're to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then you said we're to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Lord, if we are not loving others out of the overflow of our love for you, we are loving in our own flesh, and our flesh is weak, our flesh is easily offended, and our flesh is easy to give up and quit. So, Lord, I pray you strengthen our understanding of love, and may the Holy Spirit pour into our hearts the love of God that we may grow and express it to you and to others in Jesus' name. And everybody said. So God knew that we would struggle with the concept of love and defining love and what real love was. And so he included a, an entire chapter in the Bible on love. We just read a few verses of that. But the one I want to hone in on, the, the verse I want to share with you that is foundational, in which all the other words that help make up the definition and meaning of love is built upon, is the word patient. Now, why did God begin with the word patient? Love is patient. What is so important about patience that it's necessary for us to develop this kind of quality in our relationships in order for us to have healthy, godly, and strong relationships. Now, there's probably a couple of million reasons why patience is important, but I'm feeling very merciful today, and I'm only going to share with you two very simple ones of why patience is important in terms of our relationship. Number one, or letter A, the reason patience is important in our relationship is because everybody is different. You know, it's funny to me when you deal with people because the truth is uh, most people left to themselves are very self-centered and self-focused people. You know, one thing I learned when I, was, when I first got married is I, I didn't actually think that I was a selfish person until after I got married. And then 
I got to hear how selfish a person I was almost every single day. It was a major revelation to me. But here's the thing that I'm learning. I'm learning that marriage has helped make me become a better man. It helped set me free from being selfish. Have I conquered all selfishness? Absolutely not. But, but love is something that uh, requires us to, to deal with our own personal selfishness. So, number one, or A, because everybody's different. John Maxwell made the statement. He said, uh, the best way not to step on somebody's toes is to put ourselves in their shoes. The best way to not step on somebody's toes is to put ourselves in their shoes. Listen, relationships fail when we refuse to see things from the other person's perspective. Let me say that again. Relationships fail when we refuse to see things from other people's perspectives. When we're talking about healthy relationship, godly relationships, it's important for us to know that no matter how we see things, there's always a different side to every story. Now, our culture, uh, the news media, one of the biggest problems, I believe, that's causing so much divisiveness and, and damage in, in our nation today is that most people are so quick to rush to judgment. They're so quick to jump on board to whatever they feel is right and then start casting stones at people before they even hear the entirety of the story. There's always two sides to every story. And when we refuse to see things from other people's perspectives, then our relationships will ultimately fail. Now, how often have you found yourself in an argument with another person because you saw things one way and they saw things a totally different way. How many arguments you been in? A couple of million up to this point, right? So there's always two things. Everybody's different. Everybody has a, a different way of, of, of filtering life experience. Men and women, how many agree with this? Men and women, by nature, see things differently, right? For example, you know, men will pay $2 for an item that's only worth $1 because they like it. Women will pay $1 for an item that's worth $2 just because it's on sale. Right? They don't have to like it. This is a good deal. Men said, you know what, I don't care what it's worth, I like it, and if I like it, I'm going to get it, which makes sense. I better tread lightly on that. You know, here's another thing. Women marry a man hoping that they change and they don't. Women marry men hoping that they will change. And it's been said that married men live longer than single men, but Married men are more willing to die. I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know if I believe that. But seriously, if, if we were willing to take the time to acknowledge the diversity in our relationships and how people see things and how they filter things uh, in their life, if we're willing to put ourselves in other people's shoes, I honestly believe that 80% of our personal conflicts in our relationships would immediately disappear. I mean, that's good advice right there. So let me ask you a question. How good are you? How patient are you? How willing are you when you're in a heated discussion with somebody that you love? How willing are you to see things from their perspective? See, most people think that their perspective is the only one that matters. That it's the only one that's right. And we'll talk about more of that in, in, in just a moment. But, but people are different and we have to be willing to see things from other people's perspective. Listen, dealing with difficult people is always frustrating, especially when the difficult person is you. People have been telling you that your whole life, right? You know, I was at the doctor the other day with one of my children and I, I read on the screen it says, uh, that the human bones are stronger than concrete. 
that the femur bone is actually stronger than concrete. And I said, no wonder so many people are hard-headed. Bones are strong. But if you're going to be dumb, you better be tough. I'm just talking about relationships. Maybe, maybe I'm the only one that's been dumb for a while. Here's the second thing. Second reason why you, you need patience is our differences create misunderstandings. Our differences create misunderstanding. Impatient people always overreact, especially when people that have strong personalities. When you have strong personalities, you think you're right because you can raise your voice the loudest. You do scream in your house. I mean, I wonder if we put your life up on this screen this week. <laughs> How many of you would have to run out the door because you've allowed misunderstandings to create conflict? You know, this is a terrible verse. I wish it wouldn't end the Bible. I mean, there's some Bible verses I love. But look at this one. Be patient with... It don't even seem possible. You know what I'm saying? Be patient. And he didn't even suggest it. He didn't say, you know what, if you could work this into your life, it'd be good. You know, he didn't come down with, you know, Moses didn't come down with the great suggestion. He came down with the Ten Commandments, right? Here's ten good suggestions for you to work in your life. So listen, in terms of relationship, this is not optional. You want to have better relationships? You want to have better marriage? You want to have better friendships? You want to have better relationship with your children? With better relationship with your family? Then you're going to have to learn how to be patient with Everyone, it's necessary. It's not a suggestion, it's actually a, a commandment. I wish that wouldn't end there, but it is. But our differences create misunderstandings, especially for strong personalities. But here's the truth. A lot of times, it's our reaction to what is said or done that causes the biggest problems in our life. You've heard the statement, we make a mountain out of a... I mean, how many... Knock-down, drag-out arguments have you got yourself into fighting over something that's not going to be important by the end of the day? I mean, think about that. I mean, you, know, you, know, you, you stood firm on the fact you washed the, you know, you, you washed the car and you, know, you swept the floor and you washed the dishes. Well, how did you wash the dishes? Look at them. You know, the, the, the sink is completely full of dirty dishes. I washed them. When you say them, that only means, you know, technically or literally two. I didn't say I washed all of them. You didn't ask me if I washed two of them. I washed them. So what we do is we, 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 we allow our differences to lead to misunderstandings. And because we're impatient, we typically overreact. And then our overreaction causes the greatest problems in our relationship. I mean, again, when things don't go our way, when we are an impatient person, we typically respond negatively to something we disagree with. So if we want to have better relationships, then we need to learn how to react and respond patiently and not make a big deal out of something that's not going to matter by the end of the day. 1 Thessalonians 5.14, be patient with everyone. Now, how can I be patient with everyone? See, impatience comes from misunderstanding, and misunderstanding comes from four wrong assumptions. Let me give them to you really quickly. Number one, see if any of you guys have these types of assumptions when it comes to dealing with your relationships. Number one, or A, we assume that our words mean the same thing to different people. I don't know if you've ever studied the English language, but it's horrible. I mean, twerk is a word. For real. 
I mean, that shows you just how messed up we are. But here's the thing. We, we think that we can assume that our words mean the same thing to, to different people. Now, now listen to this here. The 500 most used words in the English language have 14,000 different definitions. See, let me, let me give you some good communication tips when it comes to responding to somebody you, you really don't know what to say. There, there's some universal words you can use. It just all depends on how you say, say them. Like for example, one good word to uh, appear to others that, that you understand what they're saying is the word well. Like if you need to respond shockingly, you go, well. <laughs> I'm like, I don't have a clue what they're talking about. <laughs> If you need to identify with somebody, you can go, well. <laughs> if you need to be surprised, you go, well. <laughs> I mean, that's the beauty of the English language. You know what I'm saying? You know, the 500 most commonly used English words have 14,000 different definitions. <laughs> and it gets worse. Listen to this. And it has over a hundred different meanings. So is it possible for you to say one thing and it actually communicate to somebody else something completely different than what you thought you said? That's where I have a problem in my relationships. I, I tend to think that I'm communicating well when my wife tends to think I'm Got a little bit of sarcasm attached to it. I don't know where she gets that from, but she's wrong. So it's possible for us to say one thing. So, I mean, think about this. How many arguments have you been in when maybe you sincerely said something that came straight from the heart or you were giving an honest evaluation about what you thought because listen, when women ask you a question, it's a setup. <laughs> listen, I'm learning a few things in my 20 years. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is say nothing. It's biblical. There's a time to speak, there's a time to refrain from. It's there. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you do is, is be quiet. Sometimes questions that women ask you are not intended to have an answer. But you feel empowered and you feel like you deserve to have your opinion acknowledged. Let me know how that works out for you. So we assume that words mean the same thing to different people. Here's the next one, B. That there's only one right way to see things. Let me ask you a question. Is it possible for two people that are in an argument to both be right and wrong at the same time? Now, who in the world wants to be that person? Most people want to be right. I know I do, don't you? My, my flesh, my human nature, is I, I want to be right. But here's something I've learned. You can win an argument and lose your family at the same time. You just have to pick and choose. Isn't that why you get married for? Don't you get married to be right? You know what I'm saying? Remember the first time you were ever challenged in your rightness? Wasn't it offensive? Does it just happen in my house? So it's possible with large doses of humility to work through these things. So if you understand that, you know what, that it's possible to be right and wrong at the same time, then you can actually be patient because now you have to consider, am I right or I'm wrong? Now that's a struggle. Here's the third thing. Oh, this is my favorite. That my way is the right way. I tell Rachel all the time, the Lord knows I have my problems, but being wrong is not one of them. And listen, okay, I understand. I understand that nobody's perfect. I understand, for example, the other day I thought that I was wrong about something, and it turns out I was right. 
Because the Lord knows I have my problems, but being wrong is not one of them. But turn, I thought I was wrong, and it turns out that I was right, and that's why I'm not perfect. Some of you guys will get that in a minute. But when you make it your way or the highway, you're going to live a lonely life. Here's the fourth assumption, that I can figure out other people's motives. Paul writes these wonderful words in Romans chapter 7. He says like this. He said, the things that I don't want to do, those I do. And, and the things that I don't want to do, those things I do. How many of you have said, I don't know why I do that? How many of you have said that this week? Don't raise your hands. And the thing I can't figure out is, how is it possible for somebody that doesn't know why they do some of the things that they do, that they feel qualified to tell other people and think that you know why other people do some of the things that they do? I knew this was going to go over well. But I've got some street cred in here, so I'm going to go ahead and preach anyways. But these are all assumptions. Here's my point. Never attempt to explain or penalize someone for actions you do not fully understand. I paused for an amen, but it didn't come. Listen, our culture and, 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 and the climate in our nation is so toxic that we want to rush to judgment for everything that we see because Fox News or CNN or NBC or CBS or USA Today, somebody posts something on social media. Listen, Abraham Lincoln said you can't believe everything you read on the Internet. If you're going to believe everything you read on the Internet, read the Bible. So we think that, you know what, we can assume that our words mean something that's the same thing to other people, that uh, there's only one right way to see things, that my way is right and the only way to see it, and that I know why other people do their, why they do the things they do, but the truth is we don't know why the things we do the things we do. So those are just two reasons of why you need to develop patience. So how do we become a more patient person? I'm glad that you asked. I'm going to go through these really fast because I know everybody wants to hear that. Right? Number one, this is a good one. Remember how patient God has been with me. The starting point of becoming a more patient person is remembering. It's a tragedy for somebody to forget the condition their life was in before they met Jesus. It's a very heartbreaking thing. It happens all the time. But the starting point, the, the starting point for becoming more patient toward other people is stepping, taking a step back and saying, you know what? I need to think about how patient God has been with me. Because there's a lot of people that want to give other people what they think they deserve. Now, how many of you want God to give you what you really deserve? See, God's so good, He doesn't give us what we deserve. He gives us what we don't deserve. That's called grace and mercy. But somebody that can't express forgiveness back to another person has completely forgotten their own personal need of forgiveness in their own life. So if you can just remember how patient God has been with you, it will help you become more patient with other people. But when we forget those things, we become very impatient. So God is saying, you know what? I want you to forgive uh, others like I've forgiven you. I want you to be patient with others like I have been patient with you. And so think about this for a moment. If to be patient is to be godly, I wonder what it means to be impatient. I didn't write the book. I told you some verses up here that are terrible. Anybody ever felt that way? So... If I were to ask the person that knows you the best if you are a 
patient person, I wonder what they would say. It's tough stuff. I didn't write it. It's tough. I understand. But remember, the starting point is to remember how patient God's been with you. Here's the second thing. Learn to listen to others. Now, I gave you the NIV version of 1 Corinthians 13, 4. It says, love is patient. But King James Version says that it's long-suffering. Now, how do you learn long-suffering? You suffer long, right? And really, you're still suffering. You married a person you love, but you are suffering long. <laughs> right? But what if you didn't have to suffer long? What if there was a better way? And fortunately, the Bible gives us a better way to understand and, and, and understand patience and learn patience. And it says this in Proverbs 19, 11, A man's wisdom gives him patience. Proverbs 14, 29, A patient man has great understanding. That's better than suffering long, isn't it? So the key, listen to me, the key to becoming a, a more patient person toward others is number one, remembering how patient God's been with you and then learning to listen to others because what happens when you listen to others, you gain wisdom and understanding about why they are the way they are. You know what I found out? I'm a whole lot more compassionate when I'm sick. I've been known to tell people that you got a fake fever. You faking it. How many of you fake being sick going in school? I mean, it's okay in school, wouldn't it? But we're still doing them same things when we're adults. Somebody accused me of having a man flu one time, and that offended me. <laughs> but I learned patience, so I was long-suffering for him. So when we learn to listen to people, we gain understanding. And when you understand why people are the way they are, and you hear the story of what they've been through, it gives you better understanding, and you see why they are responding the way that they are. See, John Maxwell said that hurting people hurt people, and they're easily hurt by people. So you're, it's inevitable. You're going to have conflicts even in this church even in your workplace, even in your home. But if you've never taken the time to hear the other person's story and you're trying to judge like you know the motives of why they're doing what they're doing, you're not going to have patience, you're not going to have understanding, you're not going to have wisdom, you're just going to destroy a relationship. And if you lose a relationship, you lose. So when you learn to listen, you understand, look... I've sat down with people that I thought I understood what they've been through. And after talking to them, I had to take a step back and think to myself, how are these people even keeping from blowing their brains out? You have no clue what the person that's sitting beside you this morning has been through this week, have been through last year, or experienced in their childhood. But if you took the time to listen, you might find out and you might be able to have a relationship with somebody that you've been impatient with and God may use you to bring healing in their life. Because most people, we don't listen to understand. We listen to respond, don't we? We're talking to people, they're pouring their heart out to you and you're just waiting for them to take a breath so you can give them your opinion. Right? You ain't heard nothing they said. You know, they, they made one statement after they talked for five minutes. You're thinking, if they take a breath, brother, I'm going to let them know. <laughs> That's not love. Imagine if you approached your relationships from a posture of listening versus talking. Imagine how much better things might be if you understood what people had actually been through.
See, the more you listen, the more you understand. And the more you understand, the more patient you can be with someone. I, I love the Good News translation. It says in Proverbs 18, 13, listen before you answer. If you don't, you're being stupid and insulting. You know, it's been said that even a fish wouldn't get caught if he kept his mouth shut. I just saved a family argument this morning. I did some pastoral work for you, Clay, right there. Even a fish wouldn't get caught if it kept its mouth shut. It's important that we learn how to listen. Why? Because you never feel more loved than when you're listened to. Being understood is a universal need. People don't have to be right unless they're really stubborn. People don't have to be right, but they do have to feel like that the other person understands them. That's relationships at its best. But we got to have patience to do it. I'm going to hurry up. No relationship can reach its full potential without each person feeling like they are understood by the other. Now, I read something a little while back about how that God created the bullfrog with an extraordinary, extra-large muscle that when a bullfrog croaks, two things happen. A bullfrog croaks, and it sends a vibration to the brain of the bullfrog, and it cancels out the noise that's coming out of its mouth. So every time a bullfrog croaks, it cannot hear the obnoxious noise that's coming out of its mouth. I know some people. So what's the point, Donald? The point is this. It's hard to listen with your mouth open. See, sometimes success in life is determined by the things you're willing to ignore. If you were to ask somebody that knows you the best to rate you on a scale of 1 to 10 on how good of a listener you are, I wonder what they'd say. I bet you'd be surprised. Because most people think that they're good. You know what I'm saying? I'm a good listener. If you want to start a fight and then ask your husband or wife how good of a listener you are. But after today's message, you'll know how to handle it. You can be patient. Listening's important. Here's the third thing. Third thing's this. Let me, let me say this. Did I put those stats up there? Here's something I think is important to mention. Listen, research has shown that only 7% of communication is actually done through words. 7%. 43% comes by how we say it. Vocal tone, pitch, volume, delivery. And 50% of the meaning is contained in nonverbal language, facial expressions, hand gestures, and body language. So listen, just because you're talking a lot doesn't mean you're saying anything. And you could be saying something, but your body language and your vocal tone and your facial expression is communicating something totally different. So it's important when we're, we're talking about listening to one another that according to this, your eyes are as important as your ears. So if you're going to learn to listen, you need to be fully engaged in what that other person is saying and not just try to give them a reply of what your opinion is on what they're saying. You want to show them, because again, you don't feel more loved than when you're listened to. You want to demonstrate to them that you want to listen and understand what they're saying so that you can relate to them. And as a result of that, you'll be more patient even if you don't have the answers. Here's number three, and I'm going to wrap it up. Number three, make allowances for each other. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's fault because of your love. Now listen, everybody's going to have a bad day every now and then, right? Everybody's going to have a bad day. And because people have a bad day doesn't mean that they're a bad person. The problem is this, some people have a bad day and don't realize that day ends at 12 a.m. 
So they carry their yesterday into their today, and then their today into a month from now, and a month from now to a year from now, and a year from now to a decade from now, and they've allowed one bad moment to create for them a bad life. I don't know about you, but no matter how good yesterday was or how bad yesterday was, yesterday ended last night. Some of you need to hear that. Some of you need to leave your yesterday and don't bring it back next week. Don't take it home with you. Don't talk about it anymore. Let it go. Because yesterday ended last night. Here's the fourth thing. I always treat people better than they treat you. See, I, I, I want to believe in the best of people. And sometimes that almost makes me appear to be naive. But being gracious toward people and extending mercy toward people and being patient with people is not weakness. And sometimes, and don't get me wrong, sometimes I want to put people right in their place. Sometimes it makes me want to say, let me tell you something. Ain't nobody above a butt whipping. Of course, I mean that in a good Christian way. But Jesus said, you know what? If somebody asks you to go one mile, you should go two miles with them. If somebody slaps you on one side of the cheek, you need to let them slap you on the other side of the cheek. It's another verse of Scripture that's... But we need to learn how to be extra mile Christians. But this is what I know. If you're wanting to go to the next level in God, the road to the next level is always uphill. Life is in itself is like a wheelbarrow. You don't get anywhere until you start pushing. If we learn how to treat people better than how they treat us, it will communicate to other people these four things. I can throw that back on there real quickly. Number one, that you care more than other people think is wise. That you risk more than other people think is safe. That you endure more than what other people think you should tolerate. And that you love more than what other people think is possible. When it comes to having great relationships, somebody's got to be willing to go the extra mile somebody's got to be willing to listen and maybe you're here this morning and you know what your relationships are a mess maybe you're here and you feel completely alone maybe you're here and you're lost God is extending grace and mercy and comfort and hope and help and peace and he's going to demonstrate his love for you and sometimes some of the greatest experiences I ever had with God is simply knowing that God understood where I am at at that particular time in my life because I promise you you can be encouraged no matter how bad things are in your life right now if you look back over the course of your life you'll find out that you and God have a 100% track record in overcoming difficult times up to this point. And if you're willing to do things God's way, you have a 100% chance of being successful. I mean, that's good news. But sometimes we have to wait for an answer. And the only thing that's worse than waiting on God is wishing that you did. Stand with me. As we close this morning, I want you to close your eyes. And I want to ask you, is there anybody in your life that you genuinely love and care for? That your relationship is damaged and strained because you've been impatient? 
Is there anybody that maybe God is bringing into your life that maybe, you know what, you feel like they're high maintenance, that you feel like that they're, they're just too dramatic, but really they're just broken, hurting people that have never had anyone take the time to sit down and hear their story. If there's any of those people in your life, I want to encourage you. Ask God to help you understand, to be a better listener, to show more patience. Not listen to respond or reply, but listen to understand. I promise you, your relationships will get better. If you're here this morning and you're lost, the Bible says that it is the long-suffering of God that brings us to repentance. This may not have been a popular message, but I can tell you what, it's one that can save your soul. The forbearance of God, the patience of God, the long-suffering of God has brought you to where you're at today. And if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and God's speaking to you and He's saying, listen, I want you to know something. I have demonstrated my patience. I've brought you out of many difficult circumstances. And I've allowed you to be here at this moment and this time because I want you to see that my patience is wanting to bring you to a place of salvation. If you're here this morning and you need to give your life to Jesus and God's dealing with you, I'm just going to count to three. And you just shoot your hand straight up and straight back down. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to come back where you're at. I just want to know that God's speaking to you. On the count of three, one, two, three. Shoot your hand straight up and straight back down. Amen. Amen. I see the hand. Let's pray this together. I'm going to turn this over to Clay. Father, your word will not return back void, but it will accomplish the purpose that it was sent. And Lord, today we all stand guilty of being impatient at some point in our life and in some area of our life. And Lord, we want to be more patient. We want to have your patience. And we need wisdom and understanding to do that. So Lord, your word says, if any man lacks wisdom, you said, let him ask. And so Lord, we ask for the challenging relationships that we're dealing with right now. We pray that you would give us wisdom and understanding. Help us to develop the, the skill of listening, Lord. Lord, we can all develop that skill. Lord, help us to have your heart and to walk in your patience. And, and Lord, extend grace, Lord, to others that may have never been able to tell their story. And I've asked you, Lord, right now, that you minister to your people, that you encourage them, that you would build their lives upon the foundation of love, which is patience, and let it grow in love toward you, in love toward each other, in Jesus' name.